Today we're doing another episode of the Ask the Coaches podcast. So we asked on Instagram earlier this week what sort of questions you guys have and we wanted to answer them in a podcast format. Today we'll be answering four of those questions and I'm going to kick things off by sharing what the four questions are and then if you want to skip ahead you can go to the question that you are most interested in. So number one, is it possible to make a full recovery from burnout? So it sounds like this individual is experiencing some symptoms of burnout. And for a while now, they have been feeling this way and they've been trying to recover from the burnout, but they want to know eventually, will they get to a place where they are no longer burnt out, where they feel like they did maybe a year ago with everything clicking and feeling really good. And this is a really good question. I think it goes back to the whole idea of what really is burnout and why is it so hard to sometimes recover from that. And I think it really depends on how long that build up to the burnout was. Like, have you been burnt out and really burning out for several years or has it been something that only occurred recently, right? And so it's really important to look at the history. We're gonna do a deep dive into that question. The second question is, my heart rate stays in zone four even if I slow down more than three minutes per mile. So this individual is probably wondering, how is it possible for people, runners, athletes, to get their heart rate into those lower zones, like zone two, and keep their easy days truly easy. And this is something that happens quite frequently in the sport of running. I see it all the time with athletes. They are concerned with where their heart rate is during easy runs, even if they are going at a much slower pace. Like why would their heart rate be elevated? There are a number of factors why this could be the case. Um, and it could be like a, if this is truly where your heart rate is at and we are gonna go over There are certain things you want to make sure you are assessing properly, making sure you're getting an accurate read on your heart rate, Um, like wrist heart rate monitors are not accurate, Uh, making sure that you have appropriate technology and that you know what your max heart rate is and that you've calculated the zones correctly. And if all those things are done right, um, there could very well be a reason why you are in zone four for some of these runs. And we'll talk about why maybe that is a sign of overtraining and how you might actually want to utilize an additional rest day, maybe turn that easy running day into a cross training day, maybe slow down even more. There are a number of reasons for why your heart rate would be in zone four or five, even when you're going slow. The third question we will be talking about is how long does base building take to see results like easy running getting faster from 11 to 13 minute per mile to eight to nine minute per mile. I think this is a pretty appropriate question that almost everyone has at some point. Uh, Maybe a lot of people uh, listening kind of know where the answer is gonna go, but I think almost every person who starts running really wants to know, like, when can I get to a place where my easy pace is like eight minute pace, right? Um, So we're gonna talk about why this is not a good way to measure results because this individual called it see results like easy running getting into that um we'll talk about really what is easy running and then we'll kind of discuss how to make sure you're going at the appropriate paces 
I'll just share maybe my own personal experience with easy running and what pace I go on my easy days as a sub three hour marathoner. Um, okay, so four, question number four is, I'm confused how you should be able to talk on easy runs. How should you actually be sounding if you're going, you know, on an easy run, like how does the conversation sound? Um, how can you talk, right? I mean, it's, it's a valid question, especially if you've never ran with other people. It is kind of funny to think about carrying on a conversation with someone going on a run. So that's kind of a fun question we will get to because Jason absolutely loves running with people. I have started doing that more recently and we'll kind of talk about maybe like what it would sound like, what it feels like, and signs that maybe you're going too fast on those easy days. So first, is it possible to make a full recovery from burnout? And so like we talked about in the intro, I definitely think it's important to look at the athlete's history and what have they done in the past, right? So you might be someone who recently got burnt out and you haven't really done a lot that was super terrible in your past with your running. Maybe you um, had a pretty healthy relationship with running and then maybe in the last couple of months, things kind of took a turn for the worse. But there are a lot of people that I know, even just in my own personal life, who maybe ran in college, ran in high school, ran in middle school. Um, and then after college, they just reached a complete place of utter burnout, right? So they were pushing hard for years and years. Um, and their body started fighting against them. They started having to have these, they were having burnout well before they kind of reached the phase of like, I'm never running again sort of thing. So I know people who after college, they've, they didn't ever run again because simply because they were so burnt out that the thought of ever running again was just like too overwhelming. And so there are opposite sides to that spectrum, right? There is like the minor, more minor burnout, and then there's extreme burnout. And I think most people fall more on, you know, in the middle or closer to that, like, lesser burnout. It's a lot easier to recover from a burnout that's only been going on for like six months than it is to recover from a full burnout where the last 10 years your relationship has been spiraling out of control and you've been really fighting yourself for, for years and years. So you really wanna ask yourself, like, how has your relationship with running been in the last couple of years before you kind of take a dive and how can we really recover from this? Yeah, I was just gonna say that basically in my own words. It was like, you know, we always reach a point where we need to like, go back and reflect on our why like why do we run in the first place um you know what is it that we're trying to get out of running because it may be different now than what it was in the past and then also kind of like your how and your what so like your what is going to be what are you doing on a day-to-day basis what are you maybe like training for um how would be like how are you um i guess the same thing how are you going to um or how much are you going to run that sort of thing and so you know, I think this question is very, yeah, it's an individual, unique answer, right? right? On a case-by-case basis. There are some athletes that are so burnt out that it could take them months to recover. And maybe they got to this place because they never really took their off seasons. And so that's one reason why we always try to make sure that athletes are ad- adequately recovering in between um, training cycles, especially if they were doing like marathon training cycles, right? Um, other times it might just be like you kind of mentioned earlier, the person that... Um, they were training pretty consistently and at a pretty appropriate level, but it just got to be too much for the last month or two. And so for them, it might take a little bit less, right? They might just need a month to two months off. Um, 
and then they can recover from that. And so I think the question has a broad, you know, it's a broad question and answer as far as how long it can take to recover from that burnout. Yeah, I think putting a timeline on it is where the first problem is at. So if you're worried about like, what's the timeline? Oh, I want to do this race. Uh, you know, like, can I get back to not feeling burnt out? That's the first problem. So if you are discovering that you have burnout, you, you need to let go of all expectations on your running. You need to get to a place where you're okay with stepping back like you're done like you have to release yourself from the grip of running and i think until you get to that place you're never going to actually recover from burnout so i have two uh running friends right um it's like the tale of two runners who were burnt out they've both been running for almost two decades most of their life um they both were probably at a place of burnout like five years ago um burnout injury all of those things were happening at the same time for both of them really great runners had hit great times but then they were kind of getting this burnout one of them took a step back and did not run i say did not run at all at all at all for eight months zero zero running i said how did you do that like how did you go from running 70 miles a week to not running it at all she described it as being extremely difficult she put on 20 pounds um it was emotional it was mental but she said i had to get to a place where i was okay with never being at that level again never running again because i realized my relationship with running it just wasn't working anymore. Like it wasn't, I couldn't do this to myself because she was getting repeatedly injured. She, it was just very, a frustrating cycle for her. And so while she was getting injured, maybe you're just repeatedly getting burnt out and maybe that's the route you need to go down. Um, and it was a journey, right? She took a lot of traveling vacations. I said, what did you do with your time? She was like, I learned French. Like it was just a different path, right? And I don't think a lot of people talk about journeys like that. And she did that very independently, very quietly. No one would really have known, but I only know because I know her personally. Um, fast forward, like she started kind of doing like three, four mile runs. Um, and that was just how she felt. Very, very slow jogs, that sort of thing. And it wasn't for about three years later that she started running again and actually had a race on the calendar. Um, so she got to a place where she felt good and she felt good enough. Like, Hey, I, I want to do this again. Like I want to go run and do a race and train again. Um, but she said the only reason why she got to that place is because she took a step back. She was okay with never being there again. And, um, I think the only way that you can really get back to feeling good about running again is sometimes really letting go. It's like, you'll have to completely let it go. Whereas tale of two runners, right? So that's one of my running friends. I have another one who five years ago, similar thing, um, was running, grinding all the time, always wanted to run, always had to run a certain mileage every week, had to run like every single day. Um, and she kind of reached this place of burnout. And so she'd take a couple days off. Um, and maybe she'd take months off from doing workouts, but she'd still do the mileage or she'd lower her mileage a little bit and take a little bit of time off. But she always still had these races. She would always still sign up and she'd be like, oh, I'm just going to do it as a workout. Um, it, I'm not trying to PR. Um, she still did, you know, one marathon a year. Um, she still tried to like do Boston almost every year, but she kind of, she took a step back from trying to be like the fittest version of herself like she was okay with not setting a pr but she still was putting a little bit of pressure on herself to like at least do the the marathon and like do all these races 
Anywho, fast forward, that person still has yet to take the time off and is still burnt out. So we're talking someone who's still burnt out five years later, um, still feels apathetic about their training, still doesn't want to train for a PR, that sort of thing. And that's one route. But then on the other side, over here, the other person took time off. And now she, she just has the happiest she's been um, set, going after trying to run PRs again, feeling good, happy about her running, not feeling burnt out. And so I think it's they still have very different relationships with running. Like they're not at their peak fitness, neither one of them. But I think one of them is happier with their running. I think where most people want to be is they want to be happy with their running. They want to feel like running is giving more than it is taking, right? And so I think the best way that you can get to that place is to be honest with yourself and say, maybe I need to let this go for the time being and not put a timeline on it. Like don't sign yourself up for races. Don't force yourself to do something that you don't feel inclined to do. It's okay to take breaks. And I think Not a lot of people talk about that. You go on social media, people are doing marathon after marathon after marathon after marathon. I've taken several breaks where it's like a year and a half, two years off from doing any marathons, any races. And then it's like, oh, all of a sudden, like I come back and I'm kind of back into it. Um, But we don't often hear people talking about that. You just kind of, it's silence and no one really notices the silence, right? Um, I think it's totally normal to take that time. And I think people who have a really healthy relationship with their running, they do take um, time off. And if you are feeling like you're burnt out, one of the best things you can do to is really take a step back. Yeah, it's really interesting hearing those two stories um, from those you know, two athletes. I, I have one, too, from uh, college, someone that ran with me, and she you know, was a national oh. champion, and then she took about three or four years off from running after that, and then slowly started to just get back into it and eventually did her first marathon. And um, I think even to this date, she's maybe only done like two or three marathons. So it's not like she's gotten as back into it as she used to. But, um, you know, every person is on their own unique journey and sometimes running, um, you know, it'll always be there for you if you really want to go back and, you know, commit to making these long-term goals. Um, so you don't have to worry about that, especially if you are someone that is, you know, motivated, dedicated. But like you said, don't underestimate that that time off because it can do a lot for well, even just five. reevaluating, like the person yep. that you're talking about, um, the All-American mm-hmm. in college, I actually, the only reason why we knew she did this marathon is we saw her at the start and we were like, you're running? What? We were confused <laughs> because we thought she didn't run anymore because right. she wasn't broadcasting it. And I think the big thing for her was that all throughout college, she felt a lot of pressure put on herself um, by coaches, teammates, people expected a lot from her, like, and having that pressure on yourself and on your running, it can over time take away from the joy of doing the thing. So when she saw that we saw her at the start line, she was like, oh no, like she almost was like embarrassed, like, oh my gosh, I don't want you to see me here because she didn't want someone to track her. She wanted to go out, this was her plan. She wanted to go out, do the marathon. She didn't want to make a scene. She didn't want people to know. She wanted to do it for herself. And so when we asked her like, oh, like what's your goal? She literally was like, I don't have one. I'm just trying to like not like put pressure on myself. Like my goal was like to not throw up this morning. And it was like, oh, that's that's very honest. And I remember her saying that because I was like, whoa, um, that's so different than what I thought you were going to say, right? But that shows you someone who had a very different relationship with running before. Like running used to get her very nervous. She would throw up before races. Like, I mean, it was, it was a 
bad, it was like a bad experience for her. And then she wanted to change that. So she knew she had to change something. One of the things she changed was, I'm not going to tell people I'm signed up for this marathon. I'm not going to broadcast my running because I don't, I'm doing it for me. I'm not doing it for anyone else. And so sometimes that might mean, hey, I don't like, like having time to reflect, I think is really important. So maybe you don't like that your coworkers are like asking you about your race, or maybe you don't like that you share all of your runs on Strava or social media, or maybe there's something about it where you're feeling this pressure. Try to figure out where that's coming from and how you can like release that. Maybe you're putting it on yourself, right? Um, But maybe it's coming from external sources where we can maybe like dial that down, turn it off um, by just kind of going a little bit more private with with our running. So moving on to the next question. My heart rate stays in zone four even if I slow down three minutes per mile. So I love this question. Um, first, before we dive into why that could be, I want to make sure that people assess their heart rate correctly, right? So zone four, what does all of this mean? We want to make sure that when we're looking at any heart rate data, that it's coming from an accurate source. So Garmin has a lot of wrist heart rate monitors. I know they have gotten a little bit better with, you know, as time has gone on. But let's say one of the watches I had in like 2015 um, was one of the first wrist heart rate monitors. It was wildly inaccurate. I mean, the thing was crazy. Everyone knew that none of these things were accurate. And I just have a hard time still even now trusting them because it is, um, it's a newer technology, right? So the best thing you can do is have a chest strap. So you want to have a source of truth being that chest strap, making sure we're getting an accurate read on like how many beats per minute is your heart, number one. So number two, we want to make sure that we actually know what our max heart rate is. Very, very important. So if we do 220 minus our age, um, if I did that, for example, it like what would it be, 188? Is that accurate? That is that is not my max heart rate. <laughs> like, I can tell you that right off the bat. I do workouts. Um, I know, like, I've seen it hit in the 190s, like high 190s, many, many times. So we need to make sure that we're calculating a correct max heart rate. How can you do that? Well, there's different ramp tests you can do. You can get VO2 max tested at... Um, at like a gym facility, you can do like a biking test. There's a lot of ways that you can test your max heart rate. Um, Just doing a quick Google search, you can get some ideas there. But we wanna make sure that we have a baseline of like making sure we know what your max heart rate is so we can accurately calculate like what zones you should be in. Because we don't wanna use 220 minus age because that's like a bell curve situation. Um, You might be someone that has a higher than normal max heart rate. And that's kind of where I fall. Um, Maybe you're someone that has a lower than normal max heart rate, but maybe you're like me, you have a higher than normal max heart rate. So we just wanna make sure that we're testing that accurately. When we have those two things in place and you know for a fact, hey, my max heart rate is 200. I got the chest strap. I know I'm in zone four during my easy runs. What is going on? If that's really, really the case, right? I'd say first, try to slow down more than three minutes per mile. Um, Three minutes per mile is not that much. So, right, like if I do a 5K at six minute pace, um, my easy run, most of my easy runs, I go slower than three minutes per mile, slower than that. I'm going like 9.30, 10 um, to get my heart rate in zone two. Um, Maybe that's where you need to start off. Maybe we need to just go even slower. Maybe let's start with like four minutes per mile slower. Is there a running pace where your heart rate is in zone two? 
yes, no. Um, if you find that like you're slowing way down, right, and it's still high, I'd say, hmm, maybe your body's under a lot of stress, right? What is the reason for the stress? Let's look at your workout days. How much mileage are you running? What is your recovery looking like? What are your cross-training activities? You want to do a breakdown of everything you're doing in a week and eliminate things that you think are potentially causing additional stress that doesn't need to be there. If it so happens that it's you're running too much mileage, maybe we need to like ax this easy day, right? Like maybe you need an additional rest day um, in order to be able to be in those zone twos. I think in previous podcast episodes, we've talked about how when you're first starting out for running, any run for some people will get your heart rate in like zone, like max, max effort. Like it's a max, maximum effort. And it takes a really long time to get to a place where an athlete can like just chill in zone two heart rate running. It's actually like hard to get there because running is difficult. And so any running is challenging and it's hard to get our body to be able to just chill in zone two. And sometimes in order to chill in zone two, we might need to just power walk for some people. Uh, maybe it's a very, very slow jog, but it could be a cross training activity. So maybe you, you were able to get in zone two on the bike. But the idea is that working in zone two is incredibly important for developing our aerobic system and developing aerobic endurance. And so we want to spend time in that zone two. So the best way you can do that is to find an activity that allows you to be in zone two. I would say the best way is to slow down on your easy days to a pace where you can be in zone two, even if it's like really a lot slower than you feel comfortable doing. Um, the next best thing, maybe see if like you can power walk, um, cause that's the closest mimicking of running. Like, can we do like a run walk, like a shuffle situation and be in zone two? If no, if like you're still in zone four, can we do a biking, like a cross training, very, very low effort in zone two? Typically, that's the thing that's going to let you get into that zone two. And then over time, having um, that development of zone two, it, you'll be able to do some running or run walks in that zone and transition into, hey, I can do a zone two run for 20 minutes. I can do it for 30 minutes and 40, 50, 60, mm-hmm. and eventually for three hours, right? So it does take time to build. It's not like this natural thing that just it just happens. Um, uh, it is it is stressful on the body. Yeah, you know, you said a lot of good things. I wonder if this person that asked this question, like where they would rate their RPE, you know, on this on this easy pace run um, that is three minutes per mile slower. I'm just curious. You know, sometimes, yeah, like you said, if the max heart rate's not accurate, then you're going to have, um, you know, it's you're probably because think about this: someone that has a 180 for max heart rate versus 200, right? All of their zones and ranges are going to be a little bit smaller mm-hmm. for the 180, just because like there's less numbers to work with there. So it can be easier to go above to the next range. And, um, you know, another thing I thought of too, would be like, if you're kind of new to running or you're trying to, you know, establish your paces, you could implement a run walk and you can kind of see how that allows your heart rate to come down in between. Um, so that would be something you could always try as well. Definitely. So the next question was how long does base building take to see results? Like easy running, getting in that 11 or getting from like 12 minute pace to like eight or nine minute pace. Um, so this is a really common question. A lot of people are probably curious about this, um, especially those who maybe 
don't listen to a lot of our stuff or maybe they can't guess what the answer is, right? I think even like someone who gets into running for the first time, like that's really what they want to know. Like, when am I going to be able to run at like eight minute pace and it feel easy? Um, really, really solid question. But I think for me personally, uh, the thing I'm having a hard time with with this question is to see results like easy runs getting faster. So for me, I don't really see easy running as a result. I see results as like race time. So I like to measure uh, progress by your race results. And we don't want to compromise our easy running days by trying to like run a certain pace on them. We'd rather focus on like actual results. So like results on race day. The same thing for like a weight room, right? So I could go into a weight room today, like Lifetime Fitness and see someone squatting like two times their body weight and be like, how long till I get there? And it, it, I mean, that's like a good, a good question. But like, I, you know, like they're on their easy day and they're just like squatting, right? So it's, it's really, you're comparing like apples and oranges when you're comparing like someone's day-to-day easy run with your race pace and their race pace is this and there's just so many variables at play I think the best way to measure results period is by doing a race like that's it right so do a 5k where how like what is your finish time in the 5k run one mile outside as fast as you can today what is your time that is how you measure results. When you say, okay, today I'm gonna do 100% effort <laughs> and I'm gonna see where my fitness is at, that's how you see results. Um, the funny thing about endurance sports, like running, long distance running, that sort of thing, you actually spend an incredible amount of time in zone two, which is like a very, very, very easy effort. And so you don't want to go out on those easy effort days thinking, I want to run eight, nine minute pace. You don't want to have that mindset because it will hold you back. Um, Even if you're close to being able to run eight to nine minute pace on an easy day, it's very to your detriment to go out and try to run eight to nine minute pace when the fitness to do so is not quite there. And it's really tricky because could you physically run eight to nine minute pace? Like let's say your one mile pace is 6.45. Could you physiologically physically go out and run eight minute pace every single day absolutely yes you could will that help you get faster on right no it won't it will not so it's really it's you're kind of playing with fire here you want to make sure that we're keeping our easy days as just like a completely separate item and we're not measuring results based on easy days you want to measure results based on your fast days so like a race or your workout days you do not want to measure it on your easy days. Um, and it's like, okay, for example, right? So fun, fun examples here is like me, I've ran what, 16 sub 330 marathons. So that would be 16 marathons at like 750 pace or faster. On my easy run days, for anyone who follows me on Strava, I go 930 pace every time I run easy, right? So if someone sees my runs, they think, oh, she goes nine, mm-hmm. she's a 930 pace runner. But like on marathon race day, my last marathon, I ran six six thirty nine pace. So it's just, what are we really measuring here? Because where do you want to be fast? Do you want to be fast every single day on your runs? Or do you want to be fast on race day? And I think in the running community, most people want to be fast on race day. And so the best way that you can do that is to allow your body to run easy enough on your easy days so that on race day, you're able to run to your potential. 
my first marathon, I ran 409, which was about a 930 pace. I will say most of my easy runs during that cycle were in the eight minute pace range. So it's not an accurate measurement of like where your fitness is at, because if you were to just simply look at what my easy pace was, it doesn't paint an accurate picture. I actually have a really funny like um, graphic that I made of myself in 2013, 2016, and 2022, where I said what my marathon times were and what my easy running pace was. And when I was a sub three hour marathoner, my easy pace is the slowest that it's been. And then when I was like kind of stuck at like in mm-hmm. the 320s, I, oh, all of my runs were like eight minute pace or faster. And it does hold you back. And I think it's so easy to get caught up in like the comparison trap or like, oh, like everyone who, is running the times that I want to run, runs this pace on their easy days, or everyone on Strava mm-hmm. is running this pace on easy days, it shouldn't necessarily sway you. And you should really stay focused on like, what are the workouts that I need to be doing? Right. Um, and how should I be training in a way that I can really reach my potential? So don't try to measure your results based on your easy pace, because it's definitely not a good indicator. Yeah, I don't have much to add to that because you nailed it. And I think the reason they, you know, people, they think about the easy pace um, as the example um, is because it's something that they do, you know, most days out of the week, right? Like you're running easy. And so they're thinking of ways, oh, how can I just run faster? That way I can cover more mileage and, and just, you know, and be making progress that way. But you could look at it differently. You could do time-based runs as you get faster. Um, but the more of a, the more of a range of paces that you have in your arsenal, um, I mm. think the better you are going to be. And like you, you know, like you alluded to when you're a 254 marathon or your average pace is 930. <laughs> um, and you have all those paces in between that you can right. easily dial into now because you've perfected it for so many years of like hitting a threshold workout, hitting a marathon pace workout, um, speed workout and so on. And, um, I think like you said, focusing more on the workouts and the race results and not so much on the easy pace. Yeah. I don't run in the eights. Like I don't run in the eights or the sevens. like ever it's either i'm running like nines or sixes or fives (laughs) like it's or sometimes even like 10 minute pace like a lot of the people that i like to run with they're going like 10 11 minute pace like i recently did a run a long run with my mom and -hmm. we were going like 11 30 pace she kept apologizing i was like you need to stop apologizing because like this pace i'm like i don't understand why some people like have a hard time slowing down on their easy days because like this pace feels so comfortable it's like going on I mean, I'm not trying to sound rude, but it's like going on like a hike or a walk, right? It's very, very comfortable to be able to go at that pace. And it just feels so good to be able to slow down and go those paces. And I think if people really like embrace like, whoa, how slow can you go? Um, They'd see like, wow, I I can go a lot further than I thought I could. And I actually feel really good after Mm -hmm. doing a long run. Um, It's amazing how much better you feel after running at those slower paces than you do if you just try to run in that gray zone all the time. Okay, so leading into the last question, (laughs) which I think is a kind of a fun one. I don't really know how we're gonna (laughs) talk about this without like actually running on the podcast, but it says, I'm confused. How should you be able to talk on easy runs? How should this actually sound? Yeah, so I mean, for me, this is, you know, it's something like back in in college and high school, our coaches would tell us to go out and keep the easy runs conversational, right? And that's just what they would say to us. And so we had to kind of figure out like what that meant. And so over time, you you realize like, okay, the slower you go, you can have a conversation without having to like catch your breath and, and maybe, you know, breathe heavily and that sort of thing. Um, 
and so I guess for me, that's that's what I use. I use the breathing, and I use just like the effort scale to kind of assess my myself. Um, and obviously, if you're you need to be aware of who you're running with too, because yes. like if oh that's really key. If you're running with someone that's kind of faster than you, and yeah, very easy pace may be may feel a little up tempo for you. And so really, it's not that's not your true conversational or oh easy pace. Goodness. And so. Um, you know, and if it's a new concept for you too, it's going to be, it could be hard. Just like you said, like going out for a run is hard to begin with. Like if your mm. heart rate might be in zone three or four. Um, if it's, if you're kind of new to running, talking while you're running is going to seem really difficult as well. So, right. Well, I think there's two factors at play. Like if you've never talked while you've ran before, even if you're at a slow pace, it's going to feel like weird. Like it's almost like a coordination you're thing, like mentally. On, yeah, yeah, it's difficult. But then the other factor involved is that like maybe you're newer to running. And so like pacing yourself appropriately on easy days is already a struggle. I think a lot of newer runners like struggle with that. Um, and then when you're in an environment, so like me, for example, I used to quote, like my quote was like, I hate running with other people. Like that was like what I used to say. Um, we would run together sometimes, Jason and I, um, he was a 246 marathoner and I was probably what, like over a minute per mile slower. So obviously our paces did not line up whatsoever. And we would right. go out on runs and you'd talk kind of, and like, I couldn't really talk at that pace. Like we were going about my marathon pace and it's not comfortable for me mm -hmm. personally to like talk and run at marathon pace. I don't like talking <clears throat> to people when I'm running around marathon pace or even gray zone, it's it like gives me a headache, right? It's like you're running out of oxygen. Um, it's almost like it's like a threshold workout. It's not enjoyable. There have been other times where I've ran with you and some of your friends where they're like asking me questions and I'd be like huffing it, not like huffing and puffing, but it's like, I don't want to talk or like, I can't, it's, it's too hard. Like, cause right. I was going too fast. And so what I thought that was, oh, I just don't have the skill. But in reality, it's like, no, I was just going way, way too fast. So if you're going to run with other people, you need to make sure that the paces are appropriate. I have a friend that is about the same pace as me when it comes to like race day, marathon day and stuff. And even sometimes when I run with her, like she's going a little bit faster than I prefer to go. Like I'm like, okay, um, I can talk to you. But like we, I, I like to dial it back, especially if I'm having a conversation, right? It's like, I'm, I like to go at an easy enough pace where like, it's not breathy, right? Like where I can have a conversation almost like we are on this podcast. Obviously the sentences are maybe a little bit shorter, but it's it's at a comfortable enough pace where you can carry on a conversation and like not get a headache or feel winded, that sort of thing. And I think anytime you're running with another person, unless they asked you to like do a workout with them, I think it's a common courtesy thing to slow down to go the pace that they are able to converse with you at i think right. i just talked about how i ran with my mom the other the other week and um we were running together and i was like oh oops like at the very beginning of the run i was like hey, can you just go go ahead of me and you set the pace because i don't know like where you're at like what what feels good for you today so you go out a little bit ahead of me i don't want to be like two-stepping you right like so i think the the person that's maybe a little slower right should always be the one that's dictating what the pace should be so that you guys can have a conversation because the last thing you want to do is be running with someone they're two steps in front of you kind of dictating the pace and then they're trying to talk to you you're trying to have a conversation that's not enjoyable the best way to have a conversation when you're running with someone let this lower person dictate the pace and then if you are the faster person make sure you're listening like if it's hard for them to respond or you hear that they're not talking in sentences or like stringing together like more than three words slow down because then you're allowing them the chance to 
have a comfortable conversation or run with you. And I think that's like a common courtesy unless, unless obviously caveat, unless they have like asked you to pace them for a workout or you're doing a race with them or something like that. But if it's just like an easy casual run and there's no like, we have to run XYZ pace. I think it's common courtesy to kind of listen to the other person's breathing and stuff and like maybe slow it up or even ask like we let's let's go a little slower as the faster person um and if you're running with people who maybe they're like not doing that for you or like they're not Mm -hmm. willing to slow down for you i'd say like find new people because there's plenty of people to run with and there's plenty of run groups out there that offer different pace ranges and pace groups and there was one club a couple of years back that i used to go to where oh my goodness I mean, the people, they did not, they would not slow down. They were not going to slow down and they were going to go all hard all the time. No one could really even carry a conversation. It was just why a they'd weird. stop so long at the water stops because right. they could actually talk. Because, yeah, yeah, it's just a weird, every run group and run culture is different, but I would say the most enjoyable ones that I've been to, I like to go with the people who I know are going to go like slow enough where it's comfortable right and so maybe that means that you're going to be the faster person and you have to be okay with going a little bit slower than what you normally do yep but i think that's how you start to learn to enjoy and learn oh like this is how you have a conversation with your run when you're running um it's similar to like if you were going on a walk or a hike with someone yep i've been on a few of those runs actually where i um was the slowest one in the group and so mm. we ended up running 630s and for me I just wasn't ready for that and yeah it's not very comfortable so I just kind of I didn't say much but I just listened and um you know if that's a group then you may have that that option but if it's just one-on-one then obviously it'd be kind of awkward but I, I would say if this is a new concept altogether for you then what you should start with is maybe uh, making a phone call while you're on a run so that you Oof. can control how long it is for so maybe it's just a five-minute call and you can just like you know, get used to talking for a little bit while you're running. If you're planning to like run with someone more frequently and you're worried about something like that, that could be a good way to just sort of get your feet wet a little bit with with uh, starting to converse a little bit while you're running. Or like talk on the phone when you're on a walk. There you go. Because sometimes, yeah, like going on a brisk walk with someone and like having a conversation, you start to realize like, oh, like this is, because that's about the same breathing Mm -hmm. um, you'd want, like a hard brisk walk with an individual um, is about the same breathing that you would have on um, an easy run with someone. And obviously every day is different, but I think it, it does really matter like who you're running with and making sure you're finding like the right partners. And there are certain people that like I've ran with before I will never run with again, simply because it's not, I mean, it's not the type of run like I'm trying to go on. I'm trying to go on runs where like, I just have a conversation with someone and I'm not thinking about the run at all and the run just kind of goes by and it's very comfortable. Um, The worst runs I've gone on with other people is where I get there and it's feeling like a struggle the whole time. It's hard for me to say more than three to four words at a time. And then I almost get like this headache because it's like, it's just too much for my brain and it's, it's very competitive and I don't know. That's not... It, and everyone has different things that they like. Some people really like that. And some people like to go in that gray zone and kind of push it. But I I personally don't. And maybe it sounds like you're kind of realizing you don't really like doing that either. Because it's like, I'm confused how she be able to talk. Like, you know, maybe maybe try to find a different, uh, different group if you've had like a weird experience where you're not able to feel comfortable having a conversation on a run. 
But yeah, this is like kind of an interesting question. Um, definitely good to kind of, I think that's something that a lot of people don't talk about. And I think it's something good to like let people know like, hey, this is how group running is. Because sometimes we do polls on our Instagram page. I'm like, do you like running with other people? And I think it's about 50-50 people. Some like 50% are like, I love running with people, do it all the time. And then the other 50 are like, I hate it. And I used to be in the camp of I hate it. And I think it was because I was running with the wrong people. I was running with these people that were so fast. And like, I thought, you know, I was was similar in pace, but it was just too competitive. Like the culture of the group and the people that you're running with is so, so important. Like I would much rather run with like, I would rather run with like run walkers, like, going 14 minute pace than I would with like eight minute pace group like if I was at a run group I would rather run with the 14 minute pace people than the eight because I the culture it right. makes a difference yeah you'd probably have a more enjoyable experience and exactly a better connection with, with exactly your, yeah. and then it also depends on like why you're at that group run right so some people go to these group runs because they want to get a hard workout they want to be competitive mm-hmm. with the other people yep. I'm more for I go to the group run to like socialize so like I just focus only on that aspect so it really just depends on like what you're trying to get out of it for sure uh, but this was a really good episode ask the coaches we definitely are looking for more questions so if you have any questions that you want answered in the upcoming weeks and months, we're doing a few more of these. Um, feel free to like email us, shoot us a message on Instagram, and we will get your questions answered. Um, and if you're ever interested in a free seven-day trial working with a coach, we would love to get you set up. You can fill out the form at www.runforprs.com for a free seven-day trial. Again, that's www.runforprs.com. Thanks for tuning in.